This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Bev's Video Kingdom is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Bev's Video Kingdom really is brought to you by... What the fuck? What's up, dude? One of my renters broke the toilet again. That dude takes giant shits. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Why don't you hire a property management company or something to take care of that stuff? Because they suck, and they take 10%. You know, our dude Hank owns and manages Heritage Realty Partners. I think he said he only charges 5%, and he visits each property at least once a month. That's right. He's always posting beers from the road. You have his number? Actually, I do. His personal number is 805-451-5734. Perfect. Now he can deal with my renter's big shits. Heritage Realty Partners. For all your property management and investment needs. Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Colonel Jessup's You Can't Handle the Poop Plumbers. <laughs> Do you have an oversized sphincter and your logs are big enough to use on the obstacle course? Do your dumbass kids keep trying to flush their Tickle Me Elmo? Is your old lady part Sasquatch and her back hairs keep plugging up the drain? Have no fear. Colonel Jessup will order a code red on that clog quicker than you can say dishonorable discharge. That's right. After a long and illustrious career in the Marine Corps, Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, retired, had a little career setback, but he decided to use his time to learn a new craft. You see, when your shitter is literally in your bedroom, you become a plunging expert pretty quick. So, the next time your woman plugs the head with her oversized tampoons, you call Colonel Jessup's You Can't Handle the Poop Plumbers. You want them on that clog. You need them on that clog. Next, <laughs> next time I have to take a shit, I'm for sure going to just say, I got to go do a dishonorable discharge. <laughs> Dude, I poop 300 yards from a 4,000 guys with shotguns. <laughs> Welcome to Bev's Video Kingdom. This is Scotch Beck. I will be your host, um, and I chose the movie this week. We are at the Bosco Jenkins Cantina and Showroom, and I am here with a few okay men to discuss. A few mid-men. A few mid <laughs> that, is, that is the new term. Mid-men. That's so a great mid. show. <laughs> Midman. That would be we would star. Um, that was speaking of okay, man. That was a very uh, weird. Ah, uh, yeah. That was like the the weirdest you've ever said that in your life. I think. Well, it wasn't creepy. You mean? It was like ah, uh, yeah. I missed a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I missed a couple weeks ago, and you say it like that. You, you brought back the ah, uh, yeah. You hadn't said it in a long time. It had been you, a while. You brought it back. Yeah. yeah. We used to have it on on, on the buttons over there. But then Brad ran out of buttons. I think. I'm sure it's what still is, what on is the, the button. Buttons. Let's find out what the bottom button is right now. What is it? Oh yeah! Oh, <laughs> it's, still 
Oh, that was that batch. was not a bit. That was not, I really, I had no clue. I thought it might be Jingle Bells. I, I know, no, no, no clue what that button was going to do. That's awesome. So yeah, so like I said, I'm Scotch Beck, and joining me is uh, Brad. Yep. And to my right, somebody who hasn't been here for a couple weeks. Um, I'm back. I'm back, baby. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Scotty. Uh, unfortunately, our our buddy uh, Nate could not make it again, and um, but he'll be back very soon. We uh, we love him and yep. miss him and um, thinking hope. about that dude. Yep, miss you. And uh, but I have a, a special friend that's good. Not a special friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, are, are we? Yeah. Are we Some out? might call him a partner yeah. <laughs> on on podcast. This is a great place. Just you know, reveal your darkest secrets and your uh, deepest secrets. I do. Have, I do have a, a good friend of mine. Um, we were going to bring him in on the uh, the drinking with the director segment, but I'm going to bring him right now. What, what the fuck? Uh, my friend Trevin is joining us tonight. So, Hello, everybody. Yeah, thanks for stepping in, bud. Appreciate it. So, uh, a few good men. Uh, like I said, I picked this movie, and actually, um, our old co-host, um, it was on his, on Nick, on his list as one of the movies he wanted to do. And it's a very Nick movie. It's a very Nick movie. And that's why he quit. He was like, when are we going to do this? We're like, no, we're not doing that for a while. And he was like, fuck this, I'm out. We're like, the movies you pick suck. <laughs> You're off the podcast. You're off the project, bro. Get out. Scotch walks in and he sees it on the floor. He's like, oh, what's that? Oh, okay. Maybe I'll dust this off and, and see what I can do. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a little bit of foreshadowing here on maybe what you guys might have thought of this film. And did you hit it? Did you hit Did you hit Nick up? Did you hit? Did you, I, you, no, you told me that you hit Nick up and he never responded. He right? never responded. <laughs> Motherfucker. Thanks for ignoring us, Nick. I, I did reach I out to I see where we are in your, uh, you know, you know, in your communication line. God, dude. Like, it's almost like it. you have two. Two infant babies and a full-time job. Right. No. Freaking blocking our numbers. Dick. This is terrible. Jesus. Yeah, no, just nothing. Ghosted. And uh, anyway, I was like, I was like, hey, buddy, I noticed you like the same movies I do. You want to come <laughs> hang out with us? And he's like, maybe it's because I said it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So. I think. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I, I love this film. Um, I saw it. I remember the first time I saw it. I was at uh, junior college, and I was actually taking a film class. And because it seemed like the easiest A in the world, because I get to watch movies and talk about them. And it actually was tougher than I thought it would be. That's how those classes always <laughs> oh, yeah. go. Some, some of those professors are, are just like yeah. crazy about film. And like, you're like, yeah, the movie class is going to be super easy. You're like, oh, uh, what is it? Like sexual health or whatever. You're like, oh, we're going to learn about sex. It's going to be so awesome. Then you got to do all sorts of work and study and shit. <laughs> Some bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so it, and it, it was tough, but it was a really good teacher. Really enjoyed it. And we got to watch some really, really good movies. Movies I'd never seen. Uh, we saw Thelma and Louise in there. Uh, first time I, I was in introduced to Seven Samurai, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, um, the early classic Seven Samurai, which is fucking crazy. I never thought I'd like a three-hour Japanese subtitle film, and it was fantastic. So anyway, this is where I first saw it. Absolutely loved it, and um, I've seen it tons of times. Um, I love it. Can't talk about it enough, and I guess I'll ask what your guys' opinions are. Brad. Now, quick question. Did you guys like, would you guys sit and watch them together? Or was like assigned to you, you got to go watch it? Or did you guys like sit and watch it in class? And like, did they get like popcorn and shit? Or did you just sit nope, there and watch no it? No popcorn. But we actually, so we, there was a movie day and then there was discussion day. And if you couldn't make the movie day, then you could watch it on your own. So. But there was, this was like way before TVs or anything. So they, like, you had to go get the reel to reel shit and like hook it up. And it was actually on a stage and they actually play acted it. It yeah. was kind of crazy. The only way you could watch it was like Clark Griswold in your fucking attic with the freaking uh, <laughs> yeah. projecting it on the wall. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. This movie. Uh, so I told you last week that I was like, uh -huh. I'm going to tell you about the first time I watched it. 
And this, it, it actually gave me pause because I was like, have I seen this before? As I was watching it, I was trying to think, have I seen this before? And I could not pick out a scene where I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So I'm thinking this was the first time I ever saw it. You, okay. So you thought you'd seen it, but. I thought I had seen it. And okay. I, as I was watching it, I brought, it looks like Zach has the exact same story. <laughs> Are you telling my story, dude? <laughs> I, haven't, I know you're not stealing it because I haven't told you yet. Oh my God. That's so hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I was just like waiting for something that like stands out. Like, okay, I remember uh-huh. that. And I, there was nothing. So unless I watched it and I was drunk or watching it high or something, I don't know. Yeah. Well, this, I did it, not remember. It came it. out in 1992, so you were a little bit young for when it came out. But a lot of people and, I hung out with liked it. Yeah. I mean, this was there was like a lot of people that had seen it. It was like obviously a, a pretty critically acclaimed movie. What do you think? Like the percentage chance of when you're going to sit down and watch a movie, whether or not you were drunk or or other. <laughs> like I don't a, know. Like a six percent chance you were not drunk or other. <laughs> like when you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like ra- watching a random movie. Like I know I never actually like actively set out to watch this so uh, so yeah it was kind of like a brand new movie it, it maybe it was a brand new movie for me um <laughs> i enjoyed it because you know aaron sorkin scripts are always just the, the and i'll talk about this later i just i like the the pace it always is going to be moving forward it's always kind of every scene kind of seems to be important and uh i i enjoyed it there's some definite things i can talk about that i think are kind of ridiculous but baseball being a big part of this movie was kind of surprising to me it was in, in a lot more than i realized well i mean he's playing softball and then and then the whole him he's watching the baseball game every single time that they go over to his house it seems like yeah he also got really upset when she put the bat in the closet that's right yeah he's he's kind of a a, a freak about baseball and i will say baseball when he was out there practicing i've never seen somebody hit as many grounders in a row, like he's hitting them like once a, every two seconds. He's like, but you could tell smack. he was hitting grounders, grounder, <laughs> grounder. He was hitting back. Grounder. He was hitting. Uh, he was he was uh, hitting infield to the know, uh, but, to the old boys out there. But he wasn't even giving him a chance to throw. Like by the time the first guy is ground, like like is scooping up the ball, like he's he's hitting at the next one. Like it seemed like it was going at a rapid fire pace that just seemed a little unreasonable. I think Shiesty or whatever his name was just working on his. Uh, He's, it's like Dorn in Major League where he's just smacking a bunch backhand. of them. He's yeah. just yeah. getting ate up every time. <laughs> you know, you know, if you keep your eyes open, you have a much better chance of yeah. catching it. Yeah. Statistically. Statistically there's right. <laughs> yeah. That, that guy, he didn't, I, I know he's supposed to miss the ball, and so, but he looked a little bit too shitty. Like he's never touched yeah his life i mean it's little, it's a bunch of rough. lawyers playing in it and i did i had i didn't go back i meant to go back today and see are they playing softball or baseball i i assumed it was i always assumed it was softball but i wanted to go back because i i thought about it later i was like where was he hitting softballs or was he hitting baseballs and i mean you would assume it'd be a softball league if it's like right like oh, oh there were softballs remember he's like yuck you suck at softball Oh, okay. That right. That so is right. Stop. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed the movie. Obviously, okay. anytime you've got uh, Jack Nicholson on the screen, it's just like riveting. Well, yeah. And okay. Kiefer Sutherland is all the casting. The cast, hell of a job, from top to bottom. So insane. Ultimately, enjoyed it. Um, I can't wait to like talk about Shaq's Nine Body Bag. I got some yep. different little takes on that, but uh, ultimately, good movie. Okay. Yeah, right. Zachy. So, um. Nate's wife asked me the other day, what do you, what's the movie for the pod? And I said, few good man. I don't really like it. And she was like, Oh, I think that's a good one. And I was like, I was like, no, nah, I don't really like it. And then I was like, I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. <laughs> I know like the scenes, I know what the basic story is. I know the end of the movie. And then just like Brad, I watched it. Well, first of all, I had to fucking buy it. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. 
I, I had I had it recorded on my DVR. I think three of the four of us paid fifteen dollars to buy it. I paid. I had three dollar like little discount on Amazon, so I got it for like six ninety nine. Well, that's gonna help pay for Jack Nicholson because I'll tell you how much you got paid here in a little bit. So, so I finally watch it, and I'm just like, I don't think I've ever seen this. My seven year old is like having a little issue and needs to freaking sleep in the bed with me, so I'm watching it with her. Okay. And I'm like, I don't think this is too bad. Like, baby, it should be fine. The movie starts and the music, she's like, Daddy, turn this movie off. It is that some <laughs> intense, intense music. And it's kind of like a, a, a that late 80s, early 90s, a little bit music's a little, a little bit synthy. too like yeah. like a little bit too like sinister and like, oh, something dark is about to happen. So she hid under the covers for the whole beginning scene where they like and she's like, What are they doing? I'm like, they're beating this guy up. She's like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then she comes out when she hears the happy music and she watches the whole like parade thing and the guys spinning their rifles. And she's like, what are those brown things they're carrying? Like, it was the most ridiculous beginning to the movie. She finally fell asleep like a quarter of the way through the movie. And God damn it, if I didn't really, really like the movie, I was planning on maybe watching like a quarter of it and then falling asleep and then watching the rest of it today. Uh-huh. I watched the whole thing. I was up until like 12.05. Dude. Which is late. Love me. it. Um, it was it was very good. I'll talk. We'll talk more about it. But I, uh, I dug it a lot. You, and, and going back to, to my thoughts on it. I, as I was watching it, I was waiting. I was like, I'm pretty sure there's like some type of like sexual assault that happens. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking of fucking general's daughter with John Travolta. (laughs) And I think somehow I was mixing that up with this a little bit because I was waiting. I thought there was like some dark like undertones of like, oh, there's a rape and like it gets Uh a little bit. I mean, obviously a death is terrible, but I I was completely thinking of that movie, which I'm not a big fan of that movie either, but it was just like. It was, I don't know, it was crossing the the wires in my brain. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Trevin, uh, what are your overall thoughts on this movie? So this is an interesting one for me because I watched it both before I went to law school and then after I became a lawyer. So um, I love the movie originally. I still love it, but I also now have seen all of the parts that annoy the hell out of me. Uh It's actually pretty good on a lot of levels, but there are a couple things that drive me a little bit batty. Okay. But um, I understand, you know, that's the thing. One of the the challenges with with this movie for me is that there are scenes that have amazing realism, then there are scenes that have very little realism, but I understand why they did them that way, why they did the scene that way, because they, you know, nobody wants to watch an actual... Right. Trial. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'll piggyback on that. Like they did an amazing job of the pacing of the second hour of the movie. Uh-huh. Like the, I guess the whole movie was paced pretty well, but like the second hour of the movie, which doesn't really leave the courtroom unless they're like at his apartment. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was just, did it so, moved? Did it feel like it lasted two hours and 18 minutes? No. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel super long for, it, for, it, for a movie that you weren't expecting to watch the whole thing through and you got through it. You're probably like, honestly, I was expecting a dirge. I was like two hours and 18 minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. When I saw the time, I was like, Oh shit, that's a long one. It, and and it, it, it moves goes, quick. It yeah, moves quick. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So I, we'll get into a little bit more of, of your lawyer, lawyerness um, in a little bit in the next segment. But um, yeah, so thanks. For, yeah. I was, that was one of the things I was actually curious about. It was in your profession now. Um, how did this movie like this, uh, how, how, do you, how does it react? How do you react to that? Now, now, I should let you know that I'm, first of all, not a criminal lawyer and also don't know anything about the Uniform Code of Military Justice. <laughs> right. But other than that, I should be able to give you all kinds of interesting insights. Tom Cruise didn't know much about it either, dude. <laughs> right. I think he figured that shit out pretty quick. <laughs> uh, real quick. Uh, uh. Yeah, so it had a $33 million to $40 million budget, somewhere around there. 
Uh, box office was 243 mil. And I missed it. What, what was the year? Uh, 1992. Okay. And uh, overall, it, I was actually a little bit surprised when I saw that the Rotten Tomatoes was 84% and Google users was also 84%. To me, it just seems like a lot more people would like this. And, and I read one of the reviews and it was just, you can just tell that guy just must like doesn't like life like yeah he was just like <laughs> his take just did not make sense or whatever so um it was nominated for four oscars and one zero so i guess maybe it wasn't as good as that. i i think tom cruise is obviously very polarizing so i think yeah. there's some people that just don't like tom cruise but, they're but, gonna be like oh but, I, I hate this but was he that polarizing at that time because this came out so he he did top gun in 86 color of money in 86 he was like starting his he done big Rain Man. run. He did Rain Man in 88, Days of Thunder in 90, and the movie before this was Far and Away. Or, okay. or it might have been the same, it was the same year. Far and Away was dope. Yeah. I haven't seen that since it came out, so I can't remember if it was good or not. I remember his accent was kind of shitty, though. The cool kid, man. She was hot as fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but he, you know, all the weird shit and the Scientology stuff, but I did read that he modeled his character after David Miscavige, the head of Scientology, he basically modeled his performance after that guy. So he was already getting into Scientology? He was into, yeah, he, he was like their best friends at that point. Is David Miscavige or whatever like super charismatic, like freaking ADHD? He started, just a, like, yeah. he started a freaking Well, he didn't cult, start right? it, but, I mean, but he runs it. Yeah, he's, he's the guy now. And, and so, yeah, if you've ever seen any of the documentaries on that Scientology. I saw this thing. His, his wife like has mysteriously disappeared. Like no one's seen his wife in like 15 years. It's, <laughs> fucking, it's like fucking crazy. That's a rabbit hole you can go down. That yeah. Scientology stuff is crazy. Well, and then there was all the things with uh, uh, that the, the dude from the 70s show, like his, his rape trial just ended in like. Oh, yeah. Oh, like was Leah Remini was saying, too. like this is basically like a, an attack on Scientology, like like ba or she's saying basically like this is exposing Scientology for like what it is, and I don't know, yeah. kind of craziness, kind of crazy. Um, the other little thing I wanted to mention was uh, Jack Nicholson. He he worked for ten days and got paid five hundred thousand dollars a day. <laughs> That's a pretty good job if you can get it. Yeah, so it's fucking it's fucking Jack Nicholson, dude. I know. I know. And he was in all his Jack Nicholson glory in this, like, but not, I mean, like you said, he worked 10 days, right? So. And he came in and fucking nailed it. He's in like 10% of the movie probably. Yeah. I remember when we, when we did our Jack Nicholson draft, we talked about like that being like one of his, his best roles, but he's just not in the movie that much. Like it is, it is a thing where he's, he's in it, but you want more. Actually, I really wanted to see more of him, like, cause his stories and the way he tells things and it's just, it's so Jack Nicholson, but at the same time, he's created this character that like you believe right. as being this hard ass Marine. So what's going on with my boy Kiefer's ears? Do his ears always look like that? Or was that like stage makeup for the movie? Did you guys see what I'm talking about? I didn't notice. His Do you have red ears? Dude, his lobes were fucking crazy. Can we watch it again? Let's pull up the clip. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to look yeah, up the clip at, later. They attach like halfway down his cheek. Thank right? you. Thank you. Oh, okay. Maybe me and Trevor are the only ones that watch the movie, apparently. Is that, <laughs> what, is that what happened? Well, he is part vampire, so. Bro, I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, I do not remember his fucking ears looking like that. Like, <laughs> And this is from a guy with weird ears, dude. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening with this dude's ears? I did not notice that. That's <laughs> no, funny. I'm gonna back All right. Well, fuck. <laughs> I thought he was a pretty convincing, like, kind of like roughneck, redneck. He was amazing, like, which made it, his, his fucked up ears made it even better. Like, I like those guys to have like a def 
deformity of some sort. Like when they're like <laughs> the guys that are like fucking I follow orders and the code and fucking yeah, you know what I mean? I like those guys to have like a fucking big like eye scar, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe uh maybe what is this thing? Oh, oh the cleft lip. Maybe a cleft lip, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, guess I agree, hundred so. percent. Those guys have to have a cleft lip every time, dude. And they're like, sort of like real quiet, but like super good at murdering. <laughs> oh my god! Murdering and following orders. They're really good at doing the the wrong thing for the right reason. Exactly, henchmen, dude. <laughs> that is a fucking henchmen. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next segment, I want to uh, do a little bit of uh, what we call housekeeping here, and uh, we're part of the Deluxe Edition Network. And uh, this month we have two podcasts of the month, and they are Metalhead Journeys and The Milf and Me. So go to deluxeeditionnetwork.com, check out all the great shows there, and um, make sure you tell one of your friends that Best Video Kingdom is the podcast of the year. Just walk up to somebody and tell them. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> They'll be like, the podcast of the year for what? <laughs> Did the Rolling Deluxe Stone? Edition Network, bro. Check it out. <laughs> um is it the MILF in me? I think I've asked this before. MILF and, and me. me. It's the way you say it. MILF it's in, in me. Very different pod, podcast depending yeah. on which yeah. one it is. Oh. Which one would you listen to? Well, would you, is, is oh, it's the, like a pegging podcast. The MILF it, in me. Well, wouldn't it be me? <laughs> <laughs> me in the MILF? The, no, the MILF, MILF is, in me. He said pegging. I'm saying it's a pegging. Uh, so pegging is when a girl puts a strap on and fucks you. Oh. Yeah. This, I, I, this is a gin. This Scott, is like Scott a, calls it something else. <laughs> He calls it that's Tuesday like, night. That's a Tuesday. <laughs> Beat you to the punch, bitch. Brad got me on that one. Oh, that's awesome. All I right. was thinking MILF in me is more like a, my, you know, my inner MILF coming out, you know. The MILF in me. Yeah, the MILF in me. You know, okay. I'm not sure how you make a podcast. My brain keeps that, going but... to milking me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a different button on uh, Pornhub, Zach. Well, I believe the MILF is on hiatus, so uh, she'll be back oh, in a little right. bit. Yeah, so, so maybe check him out. So it's just she gets back. me right now. Just me. <laughs> just me sitting there. God. It's Brad Willis' just podcast. Me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, go ahead. And, and we've actually, uh, this is the third film that we have done um, by Rob Ryder, the director of this. So uh, we're not really going to talk to him too much. Um, and maybe we'll talk to my friend Trevin a little bit more about his lawyering Definitely. I think I'm going to make up a, uh, like for the next time we do commercials. Cause like you guys are always like, you got commercials. Zach? I'm always like, no, but next time I'm doing a commercial for Brad and Melissa's pegging podcast. Yeah. The, the milf in me dude. works. I'm fucking ready, dude. <laughs> we'll Some play sound it. effects. <laughs> nice little trailer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pull up a chair and grab yourself a drink. We'll hypothesize what directors think. Maybe sometimes get a guess. Makes us look good. Let's drink, laugh, and pretend we know what we're doing. Drinking with the director brought to you by Last Call Brewing. So, yeah, we've done a few Rob Reiner movies, and if I have my way, we'll probably do at least one more. This was a different, like, 
type of movie than the uh, definitely different yeah yeah um and but you know since we've actually drank with him before and i think we almost killed him last time um we're gonna skip that but we're still drinking and we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna drink with my friend trevin who uh drove all the way from auburn to come visit and do this podcast with drinking us. with the trevin brought to you by last call brewing so we <laughs> 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 you definitely didn't find somebody more interesting. <laughs> uh, Is your dad's name Carl? No, unfortunately, <laughs> no. So uh, let's. Uh, we're not very good at this sometimes, but let's start with what we are actually drinking. Uh, yep. Brad, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking some delicious Operation Nectaron from Last Call. Walter's probably pissed because it's a little bit old, but it's still oh, delicious. Yeah. And I got some of the last four packs, and I, I had them all stocked up in my fridge, so I'm finishing them off. It's a great, great... Uh, Nectaron Lager. It's not as old Super as tasty. some of the beers I have in that fridge. That is true. That, <laughs> that is I'm true. literally going to drink right in front of his face next time he's here. And we, we do have to tell Zach that, I mean, we did get, officially, we have BBK3 it's in, a go. The, in, the, in, the, in the works. And it's happened because, I don't know if you listened to the draft pod today. I have you? not. Oh, boy. Spoiler alert. I haven't. I haven't we'll talk it about it on the draft episode. Okay. Let's, we'll wait till next week to talk. <laughs> can about we? Can we talk about the the recipe uh, of the new beer? Can we go back to the to the OG version? Can we tell Walter we want to go back to the OG? You know how that works. He doesn't. He he's got a vision. No, I know, but I a lot of it has like, to do with the ability for him to get it, hops at the right yeah. time, and 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 a lot of that's some somewhat out of his hands. Mosaic, I think, was the first one. The first uh, no, one no, we've had mosaic in all of them. The only thing that was different was uh, we had Ajmer in the first one. That's and, the one. And the next year it turned into Nectaron. See, so we need to do. We need to go back to the cashmere. I like that uh, that that aftertaste. It tastes soft on your tongue like a cashmere sweater. I mean, yeah. I'm sh- I'm sure Walter's <laughs> open to it. I think just kind of out of his hands, like Brad said. So, but you know, no, you call complain. Him out. You, you complain every year. I'm, and, I mean, <laughs> fuck, dude. We've given him enough sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> Walter. Well, what, so speaking of fine beers, what are you drinking there, Zacharuna? I'm drinking uh, Modelo, Cerveza Modelo Mexico. It is uh, absolutely golden, full-bodied, Pilsner-style lager with a clean, crisp finish. Tasty. Good. <laughs> yep. uh, Trev, what are you drinking, bud? I am drinking uh, Jameson Black Barrel Irish whiskey. You went for the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Not I opened good. it too. Yeah, I, I, I heard it open. Anybody who comes here can open anything, drink anything, and uh, I love that Scotch says that. But as people are open, he's just like, "What the fuck?" Are yeah, you doing? he's like throwing daggers. He's always eyes like, at you. Oh. Like I think on the last part, he's like, "I didn't see you get that, Brad." <laughs> <laughs> I would have stopped. He did. He did. No, but you're welcome to drink whatever you want, <laughs> asshole. He, he did reach in the back and grab the whistle pig. That's all right. Oh. Um, but and I am actually I literally just poured the last of my Yamazaki eighteen and okay. uh, it's it's that's a, a tough one because it's a very uh, very 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 good Japanese whiskey and um, the bottle's gone it's going to cost me a thousand dollars to get another one which I didn't pay a thousand for this one no I paid sixty five dollars and that's a whole another story I think I've already told on the pod so yeah. never mind he makes good good whiskey they make. Yeah, they do really good whiskey over there, and uh, all the Japanese stuff is fantastic, and um, I could talk about it all day, but I won't, so. So, Trevin. Japan is like the Scotland of the East, right? It's exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of Um, shared traditions. So, yeah, so I brought my friend Trevin here um, because he is a lawyer, 
and um, also because he's just one of my best friends. I think I've actually drank more with you. I was thinking about it. We've actually drank together probably more than anybody else in my life. We've we've done a lot of drinking. It could be. We haven't been drunk necessarily. But I, mean, I can the, see. I can see you might have you might have drank with Brad's brother's band more, but maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I usually kept it pretty pretty sober. That's with true. That band. Who's the bad? And somebody had to be a yeah. Well, your brother. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah. So we, we kind of got your your overall thoughts, and that was kind of one of my th- things that that I was wondering about because, and again, you're not you're not a you know a, a criminal lawyer. Um, so what, what, what kind of law actually are, are, are you in, like, what do you do? So I do civil litigation primarily, which means, um, a lot of it is not in a courtroom, but one of the biggest misconceptions probably in media is that lawyers are actually in courtrooms a lot. Right. Um, unfortunately that's not the case. It is one of the f- more fun things we do. Um, but yeah, so I represent, I tend to represent companies in disputes about <clears throat> construction, real estate, business matters. Gotcha. And then I do a lot of work where I advise companies nowadays where right. they just need advice on how to handle a situation. But you've, you've spent some time in courtrooms. You say that's the, that's the actually kind of the fun part in a way. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, there are, um, you know, I, I jokingly say like, so cross-examination, which you see some of in A Few Good Men, you know, that um, one hundredth of one percent of what we do is makes all the rest of the crap worth it because it's just so it can be so fun um, and interesting. And it's like your Perry Mason moment. You know, it's your it's it's where you get to give the big reveal like the old guy on Law and Order. <laughs> right. I don't remember his name, but I know I can picture him right now. Right. Like right. like have you ever seen like somebody like. Like during a cross examination, like just deer in headlights, you you can just see on their face that they just totally got fucked. Like they just know they they're they're caught. Yeah, I mean if you're doing it right, that's how they all are. Um, <laughs> I mean at least the important witnesses, um, because generally you're not going to get to trial um, where you're sitting in a courtroom unless you have some dirt on the other side or you have something where they've made a serious mistake. And oh, you know, so so unlike the movie where he's just like. We're going to trial. Got no evidence. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's 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 pretty funny because uh, that's you know I, I don't know how the the military does you know I know I know some people are in that were in the JAG Corps but I don't know the rules or the procedures very well but um, there's a lot of things that's common amongst all litigation but the really specifics about how fast they get to trial and how quickly they can get heard. Yeah, things happen very compressed in that movie. I would, I would think <laughs> right. uh, for a murder case, right? Um, and then in, in, yeah, we have three weeks to find <clears throat> all your, uh, your, get all your evidence, right? And yeah. then in the civil world, things take eons. It's excruciatingly long and slow and painful, but it's, um, y- you know, and only probably maybe five percent of cases ever see the inside of a courtroom, mm-hmm. because in criminal side, most cases plea out. Yeah. You know, the, well, and that's what that's what <clears throat> Caffey is good at. That's that's, that's why right. he was assigned this case because they right. wanted him to fucking. He's the master, and and so they figured this wasn't going to see the courtroom, and and that's why he got this case. So and won't a lot of civil cases that don't go to jury trial, I mean, they're going to be like basically with like a mediator, or like it's going to be like just you and a judge in a room, like actually not. Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's just the attorneys work it out, you know, the, because. You know, they have a conversation or exchange letters and and talk through the facts. And sometimes I don't know all the facts the other side knows and they don't know all the facts I know. And if we can talk it through, it's like, oh, well, our risk assessment of what's going to happen if we do go to trial changes. And, you know, in in civil litigation, especially the cost 
of civil litigation is just so brutal that that becomes a major factor in whether you actually go to trial or not. Because and, and what are you paying for? Is it you're paying for the lawyers or are you paying for like court time or I don't the, understand. The court time is actually not horrible. You have to pay if you're gonna have a jury, you have to pay some witness fees, some jury fees, but those are minimal. I've been um, on jury, it's, yeah, but it's, it's not much. Yeah, it's, and and the, the, the it's the lawyer time at the end of the day, yeah. you know, because uh, for example, it wouldn't be unusual in Sacramento for an attorney to be making four hundred bucks an hour. I've seen attorneys making twenty four hundred bucks an hour in, from big from big firms around the country, um, and. <clears throat> you know, as an attorney, you're going into a trial. A lot of civil cases are long. You know, there there are different kinds of civil cases. You know, you have your, you know, your uh, you could have a really relatively simple fender bender case that might go to trial and it might take an afternoon. But a lot of the more complex trials, I've seen trials that are six months plus long. And as an attorney, you, you know, you get one of the things about a few good men that's interesting is they're working at home. They're all there in the apartment together. They're going through everything, and that's what really happens because. If, you don't become a, a trial lawyer, a litigator, unless you really like to win. And so you don't want to be made to look like the idiot. So you do a lot of homework getting ready for trial if you're, if you're any good. So you could easily be working 12, 14, 16 hour days when you're in trial. And at 400 bucks an hour, that adds up really quickly if you have a three, four or five week trial. Wow. And then if you, get a, and if you get a trial where it's really big and you have more witnesses than some trials, you might have two attorneys there, you might have a paralegal there, it just gets crazy very quickly. So that ends up becoming the driving factor in a lot of settlements. The facts are really important, but then, and the law obviously is very important, but then the cost of it. But, but to Brad's point, mediation is really common. Um, in construction, when I did a lot of construction work, um, and I still do a fair amount of that, but a lot of it's arbitrations. Um, so it's an agreed upon that you're going to have an arbitration with a paid arbitrator. And in that case, you have to pay for their time. Right. Sometimes they're five, ten thousand dollars a day. You're like, hey, you decide what we do. Right. <laughs> like, right. Okay. I, I will say this movie <laughs> does both a good and bad job of, of what you're talking about because obviously they do glorify the shit out of the courtroom. Like it makes you like, God damn, I want to be in a courtroom. That seems so just exhilarating. Like when you're when you're breaking that witness and this and that. But at the same time, they do show them working weekends and they mention twenty hour days. But the only time they ever show them working is like a big like moment in the case, like, oh, we just got to go talk to this guy. Oh, like like little breakthroughs. They don't really show the, the, the just the menial, like, oh, we're going through the law books. There's, like, a, there's a little montage they show where, you know, they're kind of going right. through it and stuff so like it, that. So it, it kind of glosses over that. And that's, I, yeah. I, I teach high schoolers and I always tell my, when, when we're talking about careers and stuff, I'm like, you have to be ready for like the bad stuff of careers that you always want. Like, oh, if you want to be a lawyer, I always tell them, and, and I guess I'm underestimating, I'll be like, 95% of the time you're doing interviews, you're going through books and you're doing research, you're taking notes, you're taking statements. I mean, that's basically your job. Maybe 5% is ever going to be in a courtroom, depending on what kind of law you do. So probably, you know, it's, it's funny when I was a young attorney <clears throat> and I worked at a big law firm up in Sacramento we had a hundred and some odd lawyers there. When I was a young attorney, I used to hate, you know, I'd get a, a, a research assignment or as I got, became more advanced, I would get just an you know, some issue would come up and I needed to research it. And I used to sort of begrudge myself saying, oh my gosh, I have to spend the next five hours researching this issue and digging through all these cases and pulling all this together. And nowadays that I'm 20 some odd years down the road, I love those days because I actually get to focus on one thing and I get to dig into the books and I get to 
peel apart the issue and figure out what this judge said then and and that kind of thing. My days mostly nowadays are, you know, 25 phone calls, you know, where I'm either talking to opposing lawyers, talking to clients, walking through. I, I hardly ever go to the books anymore. I mean, there are times where I have to, but for the most part, it's stuff that I already know the law. It's just a matter of talking through or convincing a client to do something or suggesting a client do something, making recommendations, telling them they shouldn't do other things, or talking and trying to convince an opposing lawyer, things like that. So it's funny how it changes over time. You know, you, what you think is going to be the menial stuff ends up being the stuff you sort of look back on and say, hmm, maybe I would I should have liked that a little more back then because I could actually focus <laughs> I think if I think if you were like, it's $2,400 an hour, I'd be like, I, I'm going to need you on video for every second of those uh, of those hours. Like, if you're going to charge me for eight hours, I want an eight-hour video of you fucking typing. Right, six right. hours. And I want to see the screen. Six hours of online poker and two yeah. hours. <laughs> exactly. Six was, hours of telling those young folks over there go do the research, and I will play online poker. I, I was on a conference call the other day for a, a large client, and we're hiring uh, one of the best law firms in the world, frankly. But there were three lawyers on the line from that law firm. One was getting paid twenty four hundred hour an hour. One was two thousand an hour, and one was twelve hundred an hour. Jesus! So like, um, like we don't need all you guys on this on this yeah. call. They're like, can I twelve hundred as long as you want? Can, can I? Can I? Can you repeat <laughs> right? that point? Can you say that again? I just want to hear you say that again. Uh, could you read that statement again, please? Like, can we? Can we go through who's on this call again? Uh, can we do a roll call real quick? Yeah, yeah well, it's funny because one of them hardly said anything. I don't think he said a, a word. So it was, uh, and you know, and I don't charge anything like that. And most lawyers don't. I mean, they're these are literally the best lawyers in the world on the subjects they deal with. But um, I, I said to my client afterwards, I said, "Hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, uh, I'll make you a deal. Why don't you just pay me ten percent of the total building rate?" <laughs> That they were all making, and we'll call it even for that phone call. <laughs> and he said, "Hey, you're rich." <laughs> so so. You, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but so as a lawyer, can you even enjoy movies about law and about the about lawyering? About lawyering, it's, it's hard. It's 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 hard, honestly. Like I have to really suspend reality and just appreciate. You'll you actually, you know, when we get to the draft, you'll actually see there there are times where. I have to just put away the realism component right. and just not even think about it. It's probably like watching movies that are involved music for you right. or, you know, any of us do. Oh, Scotch is harsh as fuck. He's like definitely right. not hitting those drums correctly. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's, <laughs> I do I, that shit. Seriously. It bothers me if I'm watching a movie about a fucking drummer and I can tell he's not hitting the cymbal when the cymbals are crashing and shit like that. So a little <laughs> bit different, but. I think the thing that makes me the most crazy is how compressed everything is because I kind of yeah. wish things happened that fast in the real world and they just don't. And um, clients get frustrated by it. I get frustrated by it. It's very, um, it's one of the harder things is dealing with how slow the process takes. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's probably a strategy in some ways. Like, don't some Can like be. some sides like maybe they want to drag this thing on and, and make the other side hurt by paying more money and blah blah blah. Absolutely, that's that's, that's definitely a strategy some up. some folks employ for sure. Man, and there's a lot of you know there's you know there's an old the famous old saying I don't know remember who said it but they said you know the the gist of it was our system is is brutish and uh, difficult and unfair and unjust. And it's also happens to be the best one that's ever been invented by the mind of man. <laughs> yeah. The idea being that, yeah, it's a screwed up system, but when you really get into the depth of it, 
there's a lot of times where like you'll hear about somebody gets off because of a technicality, right? And that's like, oh, well, we shouldn't have technicalities. Well, technicalities usually are connected to our constitutional rights in some way. And so, right. yeah, in an individual case, a technicality can end up creating what appears to be a, by all outward appearances to be a super unjust result. But the overall reason we have that rule is really important on, on the whole. And so you, and I'll talk about it when we do um, a later segment, I can talk about it a little bit more, but some of the things I liked about a few good men is some of the, ba- the challenges you could tell he's facing between a plea bargain and going to trial. Mm-hmm. That's a tough decision to make, especially when somebody's life is on the line. Right. And you're having to tell them, yeah, we're either going to go to trial, you know, or I recommend we're either going to go to trial or we're going to plea out. I think that was a Danny Masterson quote, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Could have been, could have been. (laughs) Um, Trev, I got a question for you. So the, in this case, you have a, a kind of key witness who, uh, Kathy wants to put on the stand and this guy ends up killing himself. In you're talking about the the process, especially like in civil law and stuff, it takes a long time. I'm assuming there's older folks that are involved in some of these lawsuits. Have you ever had like a situation where you're involved in like a, a long case and like some important part of the case passes away? I haven't had that exact thing happen. I haven't had somebody actually die during a case, but I've absolutely had situations where I was concerned one of the key witnesses was going wasn't going to be making it, especially when you might be in litigation for two or three years. Right, and somebody's old or not in good health. Um, so yeah. And, and there are strategies to deal with that. Like for example, one of the things we try to do if somebody's not in good health is we try to take their deposition early because of the rules of hearsay evidence. And I won't bore you with all the details, but basically if somebody isn't, um, is no longer alive, <laughs> they're considered unavailable for trial. <laughs> and so, um, you can then use their deposition testimony in lieu of them appearing Okay. Um, actually appearing in court. Normally you couldn't do that. You could use it for other purposes like impeachment and things like that. But, but if they actually have, have died or they live in another state and they can't be compelled to come, they're unavailable. And then you can use their deposition testimony. It's like, do you have to declare that? Like, so Kathy, could they, they've taken a deposition from this guy without like notifying the fact that he like is in town and, you know, that, that would be dependent upon, you know, which court you're in and what the rules are. Yeah. Um, but my, generally speaking, for a deposition to be considered a deposition, the other side has to be noticed of it and have an opportunity to cross-examine the witness. Okay. <clears throat> oh, damn. Yeah, because they wouldn't be able to, if he just gave his side of the story, they wouldn't be able to, like, ask him their shit. Exactly. Right? And cross-examination is huge. I mean, uh, a lot of times litigators say, you know, cases are won and lost on the cross-examination. Yeah, because Kevin Bacon would have ripped that fool up. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, it's fucking Kevin Bacon. Kevin motherfucking Bacon. <laughs> Six degrees, bitch. <laughs> We're in a cutoff shirt. One, one, one last thing I'd like to ask you. I don't know if you remember this, but when we were we first met, and you wanted to be a lawyer pretty much the whole time I've known you, you always said that you wanted to become a lawyer so you can get all your friends out of uh, speeding tickets. Is that still true? Uh, you'd be better, way better off being a cop, I think, than a lawyer. Cop lawyers don't have any pull with speeding tickets. You'd have to so, know so you're, a, so you're full of shit. I'm useless on that, on that front. Absolutely. Good to know. Completely yeah. useless. Couldn't even contact a friend or a homie or... Jeez. Maybe. Probably be so upset if you called him about a fucking speeding ticket. Be like, bro. <laughs> Scott just really bad that he got, got the, fucking, the Yamazaki out I now. I don't have a ton of time. <laughs> Awesome. I think the key I think the key of like of like all of it is that like movies can really romanticize 
a lot of different professions, like well, doctors, yeah. lawyers, agents, sports agents, like agents, like all these different like things that you can be like, I want to do that. And then you're like, fuck, I've never even cross-examined someone ever. You know what I mean? Like I've been a lawyer for 10 years and I've never even, right? That's totally possible and probably probable, right? Police officers that yeah. have never shot their weapon. I mean, like. Exactly. Yeah. You hope not. Yeah. Like, like tons. Like, Damn what, it, I haven't got to say, shoot like, anybody like, yet. Like, cops will tell you that their job is like, you know, endless boredom mixed with like really short bursts of like extreme excitement and like crazy shit going on. You know right. what I mean? Which like, I feel like a lot of jobs are like that, really. I when like I said with my with my students when I'm having them research careers, one of the questions I have on on the the, the form that they do is, what is the worst possible aspects of this career? Because I want them thinking about if you want to put your life into this or, and you want to devote yourself to to obtaining this career, what are the things that are going to be bad about this? So I'm thinking of like we have a lot of friends who are nurses and and including your wife. It's yeah. like you're going to deal with some terrible shit. Like, and, and what I mean, literally. say shit, literally yeah. shit. Like yeah. you're going to have to be changing a diaper or something. They're going to be shitting all over you and you got to deal with that. Or obviously death and, and, yeah. and the crazy hours. I want, I want them thinking about that because then if they still want to do it after acknowledging those, those, cause it would, it would be terrible to go put yourself into college and think, Oh, I'm going to go do Go after this and then realize, Oh shit, this is, not at all what I want. Yeah, my wife's a labor and delivery nurse, and she always says that like 99.9% .9 of the time she's there for the best day of people's lives. You know what I mean? They're having right. a kid, and then there's like that 0.1% where it's worst. like the worst day of their fucking life. So it's a real, it, it can be like a real roller coaster for sure. You gotta be a special type of uh, person to be able to deal with that yeah, shit. And that emotion is tough to deal with. I mean, even as a lawyer, it's not on that level, but you know, you're dealing with people's livelihood, their Fuck, businesses, yeah, their. And you're giving them advice and they're relying on you a lot of times. They're, I mean, they are literally, they don't have any idea what this system's about. They don't know how it's going to turn out. They don't even know what the, a trial looks like other than what they've seen on TV. Yeah. Right. And, and so you're giving them advice and you want to give them the best advice you can. And, and it, it, it can be a roller coaster. And then something else we can talk about too is just trials themselves are just litigation generally is a roller coaster, but trials, especially going from day to day in a trial, you can be totally up and then totally down and you got to overcome that and, and figure out how do I come back from this, uh, this, this uh, setback and how do I not get too convinced by my own bullshit on a good day <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know exactly how the jury might be seeing it or how the judge right. might be seeing yeah, it. Yeah. Cause that's the thing It's it's out of your hands in a lot of ways. Like sometimes if you, you might have a case that is, you think is, good but you know could be on the edge and the right jury or the wrong jury could just sway it just enough you don't have a fucking home run case and you're like this could go either way and you're about to see this person's life go up what's yeah. crazy is that like when the guy's like when the when the when the one guy gets on the stand and then he like admits that he wasn't even in the room to hear the guy say right. the order or yeah, whatever. They're like, oh. Exact example. I mean, that's like the that's like the fucking like the equivalent of like, okay, we're down seventy in the Super Bowl and <laughs> you know, we've got to go a hundred yards in one second to win the game. The you know what I mean? The best part is during that scene, so um yeah, uh, Downey is the, the yeah, he's up there getting yeah. cross examined. And if if you watch closely, Tom Cruise realizes it first. You see it on his face. It's 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 on Kevin Bacon. He's starting the questioning, and they're they're not sure where it's going. All of a sudden, you see Tom Cruise just close his eyes and put his head down slightly. He goes, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, 
he wasn't there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's like you're driving. I think the better analogy is like it's like you're driving like, oh, we might get a touchdown here. And then you fumble and it's a, a recovery touchdown going the other way. <laughs> right. And which is like everything's going good. And all of a sudden, oh, fuck, now they just scored. Right. This is terrible. Well, and it's one of those moments. I mean, I think everybody that's that's done tr- any kind of trial work or even arbitrations, you have that moment where something goes really badly and, and you know, the room spins a little bit and your stomach does butterflies and you think, uh, and you got to keep it calm because you don't want to show that on the outside. Poker face. And you got to think, okay, now how am I going to, how am I going to pull this out? And you got to do it in the next five minutes when you get a chance to get up and ask your questions, you got to try to figure out how am I going to repair it? You might be able to get a content, you know, a, a, a recess or something where you can pull yourself together, but it's, it's an interesting yeah, I mean, it's also what makes it fun in a sense. You know, it's, your fucking brain is going a mile a minute, going, okay, how the fuck am I going to get out of this now? And you're about to talk, right? And you, can't, then, you can't, you can't just walk up and be like, you know, what you just said to the other lawyer, you were just joking, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're just kidding. I know you playing, dog. <laughs> playing, right? That was also really good. That scene was a really good, a, a really good example of good lawyering by Kevin Bacon because that's the kind of thing oh, yeah. that you got to you dig into the facts and the details and find those little nuggets. And if the other side hasn't thought about it or hasn't discovered it, you can really, you know, it's one of the reasons cross-examination is both so important, but also can, can be really fun. Right. I, I like the, the rule book thing when he has the rule books and, and, and then he like flips it on him. Grabs like, it from yeah. him. Yeah. That, that shit, like that's, that makes the, the, the whole lawyering thing seem awesome where it's like, I mean, it's like, it's like a boxing match. It's like they throw a punch and it's like, you dip that punch and you, you throw another one. It's, yeah. And he actually gave him props for it when they, when they met the next yeah. time. It's like, Hey man, good job on that cross-exam. You know, mm-hmm. great. Um, Scott, you're right. This guy does know a little about law, so maybe we have him back next week to, uh, I, I, you know, to judge I mean, a draft. We're doing a draft, and it has something to do with this, so uh, maybe we'll have him back to judge it. So, uh, All right. Thanks for joining us, buddy. You Appreciate bet. It. Happy to. I got to pee. Face it, dating sucked in your 20s, gets worse in your 30s, and your 40s, forget it. It's a cesspool out there, and we're your flotation device. Join us weekly for saucy chat, ridiculous love gurus, and MILF-worthy fun to spice up your life. The MILF MILF and and Me Podcast. Podcast. Every Wednesday on your favorite pod platform. And the MILFandMePod.com. The MILF MILF and and Me Podcast. This episode of Bez Video Kingdom is brought to you by Dawson & Downey Code Red Repairs. Do you've got a faulty washing machine that just isn't getting the job done anymore? Code Red! Need to get that old Buick up and running again? Code Red! Are your kids just not listening to you anymore and you need someone to get them in line doing chores like they used to? You know what to say. Code Red! At Dawson & Downey Code Red Repairs, once you give us the order, you can guarantee we'll fix the problem, no questions asked. Our only protocol we follow is to ensure that you are satisfied with our work and that your privacy is upheld. So whether we are getting your yard back in shape, or if you want us to deliver a violent blanket party to your cheating husband, call in your order for a Code Red today, and you can guarantee we'll be there 0800 the next morning. Give us a call today, 1-800-263-3733. That's 1-800-CODE-RED. Did you look it up? Did you, were you like, <laughs> I got to figure out what the uh, I did. I Code Googled, Red numbers I are? <laughs> phone number letters. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'll get the Mountain Dew hotline if you call that number. <laughs> Is it a one-night stand? Or do you transfer them home or stuff their throat with a dirty rag? It's like fuck, marry or kill. It's Shag Snack Body Bag. <laughs> Shit. It's fucking good. <laughs>
Oh, poisonous rags or non-poisonous rags, just heart conditions. It was just a just a just a dirty rag. It was, it wasn't poisoned, right? According to them, I thought for sure like they just didn't. They were gonna find out that like they had some like some it had poison. Drano on. It, but on they it didn't or know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they didn't know, and that's how he was gonna get them off. I mean, why they brought a, a, a member of Spinal Tap in to like be the doctor <laughs> was pretty stupid, in that, my opinion. That was weird casting. <laughs> I mean, if you don't know who he is, Christopher Guest, like obviously it's like okay okay whatever he's an actor but i'm sitting there going nigel tufnell on the stand i wait for nigel to say something stupid or just christopher guest is to be funny in some but he's actually right. like dead serious in that's this right, role yeah. i didn't notice that it was christopher guest yeah at all that's <laughs> no, like that's i mean that's like the six finger man like where you don't realize it's him either like that's that's a, another strange role you mean like the man in black in uh princess bride but yeah we're the, talking the, about the six finger man in princess bride okay that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Guy. Yeah, that's, that's Christopher, Christopher Guest. Guest. Also, also Nigel Tufnell. No, yeah, also the guy with the with the hound dog. Hound, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> best in show. Best in show. <laughs> oh, I love it. So we are so what? What are we doing? We Scotch? are shagging, snagging, body bagging, and uh, so we're we gonna fucking. Is this something you just want to fucking just fucking just do for like mm, three mm. seconds and not last very long, or is it something <laughs> you're gonna take home to your mom and dad because you want to marry it? Or are you going to fucking just, just get rid of this shit because it's just not worth being in the movie? Code red, that motherfucker. Let's fuck, marry, kill, baby. Code red. And uh, we're going to start with Brad. What are you going to shag? Um, I'm going to shag Demi Moore because uh, Tom Cruise wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I mean, what was going on here? Like, this guy's young. He was way more into Aunt Jenny or whatever the fuck when she showed up. <laughs> I think there's like a deleted scene where he's fucking the dude's, the girl's. Uh, and he's got Aunt Jenny yeah, in, the, in the courtroom bathroom. Exactly. Like, because he's got Demi Moore just like running around and freaking. Uh, although, nah, anyways. She wants him so bad the entire movie. And he's just like, I like playing softball with my boys. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit. You could almost look into it and say, like, maybe this dude might be gay. Like, he's. No, 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 no. I don't think he's gay. I think he's like got some sort of weird. Uh, you ever seen like my weird obsession or whatever that show is where the guy's like in love with his car? I think he's got that with his baseball bat. See how upset oh, he's that? always oh, holding that, that bat, bat he's walking on his room. Don't, don't you put my bat anywhere around. Yeah. That kind of goes with Kendra's baseball bat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the baseball fat bat thing threw me off because there's a scene where he's sitting like on his couch and I couldn't figure out why is he choking up on that bat so far? Like he should just get a bat that's the right size for him. He's a slap hitter. He's he's he he, he throws down bunts and he's the type of the type of guy that would throw down a bunt in a slow pitch softball game because he's quick. We know he can run. Yeah, we've seen is, Tom Cruise seen run. run. That is a type of guy. I think does qualify. Slap bunt, slow pitch softball guy. <laughs> so get the first. I, he wants to win games. Like we know he's competitive. That is absolutely Tom Cruise. Yep. <laughs> Oh man, um, our guest Trevin, do you have a a shag? Uh, I do. Um, I think I'm gonna shag dime bags of oregano. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I like it. That 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 is a uh, is that something that because I was thinking about that. Would that really be no case? It doesn't matter. Like you can buy whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you think it is. If it's something illegal, you can get in trouble. If it's not, you yeah. Can't. The, well, the, that's that's what makes me wonder. Is like, how did he get in trouble? Like, did, was he outside a building, like outside like a, a, a one of their barracks or something, smoking? And they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And because they did say he tried to smoke a dime bag of oregano, like so he actually literally tried to smoke <laughs> it. I think yeah. he just bought it, right? I know. I, I think he tried to smoke it. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, was he? They caught him smoking, and like that's not a cigarette. And like it's oh a joint, 
they arrest them, and then they found out it's regular. It should be like, oh, well, charges are dropped. Right. This guy's an idiot. you're a fucking idiot. So. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, military might have like <laughs> intent. Like, oh, his intent was to buy weed, obviously. So that's why we're getting him in trouble. But, but would intent be enough to, to stick? Usually not. I mean, usually cr- crimes are have the a mens rea component, which is your 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 intent. And then they also have, there's some facts you have to have. Right. right. <clears throat> but it was a good callback in the movie because uh, Kevin Pollack used <laughs> yeah. it later in, in his right. you know, jokes. So, uh, Zach. Shagging? Yes. I, I'm shagging uh, the diminutive man himself, uh, Mr. Tom Cruise. Mm. He walks into the courtroom at one point and the camera's like kind of behind him. And his fucking neck is at the handle for the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. If you watch it again, like the camera kind of swoops in from behind him and he's walking through and the fucking handle on the door is like right here. And I'm like, he's so little. Look at him. So cute. Uh, this is this is very uh, much in the in the vein of like cute, amusing, kind of hyper Tom uh, Cruise. Like put him in your pocket. There's some I know some little freaking energetic dudes like that that are just so charismatic and just like freaking, you know, little balls of energy. Just all super all super successful and like it's there's definitely like a type of tiny dude with like a nice full head of dark hair that freaking just like gets you all amped up. You know, he's a very very polarizing actor, obviously. He's fucking weird as shit, all the Scientology stuff, but if you really just look at Tom Cruise, he's fucking great in so many things. And it's like, I really wish all that weird shit didn't exist because I really like him in most of the stuff he does. And I love him in this. I think in this movie, he's at the perfect moment where he's still boyishly charming. Right. But when he gets like aggressive with Jessup and like you actually kind of believe it, because like I think a few years earlier, you wouldn't really believe this. But at this point in his career where he's kind of like a, a, a tweener in a sense, he's mm-hmm. like, He's he's now being able to play the more adult roles, and like I feel like you believe that his aggressiveness is like legit. I feel like if him and Bacon get into a fist fight in that diner or in that bar, it would be like two like fifth graders like duking it out. <laughs> like a like a normal sized man would walk up and just like put a hand on each of their foreheads and just like push them apart and be like, "Hey, little guys, not in here." Like, they just like, like scurry out. Yeah, hands on foreheads and they're like they're exactly. fists are flying. Oh, exactly, <laughs> can't reach. Oh, oh man. man, I'm gonna shag uh, the opening sequence. You know, basically, so it starts off all dark and gritty. You know, Zach's daughter's crying underneath the covers. Brooding music. Daddy, what is this music? But then it goes into the band and the silent drill team. And it was something that we talked about in the film class. Like the one thing I kind of remember. And and it's, I don't really get, we're not cinephiles here. We say it all the time. But I love the, the fact that it's like, here's this dirty, horrible crime happening. And then it shows this polished, clean, amazing, perfect drill team and it's like the you know it, this is what the marines are like they're fucking some pretty impressive like twirling dude that shit is fucking it looked badass. really cool and it was like rippling up the thing like a wave i saw they said it was i think the drill team from texas a&m or something it was like they're they're basically like they're that their actual drill team gig maggies or whatever they say <laughs> isn't that what they say gig what <laughs> Texas A&M. Oh, like, oh, the Gigam Aggies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, you guys look at me are, like I'm fucking a, crazy. I thought you said it. What's a, I was like, what's a Gigam Aggie? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Is that like a gigabyte? <laughs> are we talking about Pokemon or what are we doing He's here? He's a background actor. <laughs> anyway, I just I fucking I just love that whole setup and then how it, it goes like literally they do one of their fancy little, you know, domino effect flip things and all of a sudden there's Galloway and it just that the that whole sequence the way it was shot, that shit just sets up the movie so fucking great and I dig that shit. So all right. Snag. I'll go first. Zach. So <laughs> thanks, Scott. I was gonna pick you first. So so oh, if I'm yeah. there's something that this movie did really cool, which like I don't think they spent I mean what was the budget? Forty mil? Something like that. Anywhere between thirty three to forty mil. I mean what they didn't need to spend really money on anything but Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise, and freak, you know what I mean? Even which Tom I think Cruise is probably wasn't that the whole much budget. to me more. Like freaking they had like a sort of green screeny like outward view of Guantanamo Bay yeah. and then like a barracks scene and then the lunch scene. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I mean, nothing really in Guantanamo. The rest is the, is the courtroom the is all on the back lot of in a Universal bar or whatever. and in the courtroom. Yeah. And it was like, island, that's fucking like it. Catalina Islandish type place like yeah. for the, uh, the island. Yeah. They didn't actually go to Cuba. Yeah. I, so, so my snag is like a well done version of that where you don't have to spend a hundred million dollars to make a movie where you have like some on location stuff and and you just like a well done because a lot of movies try to skimp on that stuff mm-hmm. and it doesn't work and I feel yeah. like it really works in this yeah ne- never once did I think that this wasn't like in Cuba when they were there and and, and right. yeah it's fantastic job uh, Brad what are you going to snag uh, I want to snag the the pacing of the movie because, like we said, it was, it's a two hour and, and fifteen or whatever it is. It's right around there, and and it actually moves very quickly. And I'm just gonna say that's mainly Aaron Sorkin scripts. Like, yeah. I mean, when you take the things that seem like they could be super boring and make them like intense, where you get involved. Like, I mean, thinking like Social Network, Moneyball, where a lot of it is just like kind of like legal talk or like expertise talk, and he can make it sound so interesting and like like you can you just get into it immediately i agree with everything you're saying but i feel like this one was a little more realistic in the speech between like just between people um i feel like some of the sorkin stuff is just like so verbose and like freaking people don't talk like that you know what i mean like that's how i feel anyways but i feel like this one did it pretty good oh uh, yeah just i mean pacing wise i thought it was it it, it kept moving and you wanted to follow along so i nice. like that trev what do you got I think my snag is, <clears throat> even though it's a little uh, over the top, the there's an officer on deck ending. That just oh. got me the first time I watched that movie because he hadn't saluted him before and then all of a sudden- Well, he like, literally he, stuck his hands in his pockets yeah, at one time. He's like, right. you go fuck yourself. I'm yeah. not going to salute you. And he earned his respect and that's yeah. that was pretty damn cool. That I, I'm pretty sure that did get me the first time as well. Yeah. yeah. But for a guy so worried about following the fucking rules all the time- and fucking, he's just not going to salute this dude. That's like, isn't that one of the rules? Like you're crazy. supposed to salute him. And and a fun, a fun little uh, fun fact about that actor, um, the guy who played um, Dawson, Wolfgang. Um, Wolf Wolfgang's what's his last? I, I don't remember. Yeah, Wolfgang something. He was a location scout, and he wasn't actually an actor, and he was working for Rob Reiner as a location scout, and Reiner's like. Uh, this guy is kind of perfect. He's big and whatever, and they tried him out, and he got the part. This is like Wolfgang Bodison. Wolfgang, Bo- yeah. They're like this dude looks marini. Yeah, and he he ends up being like the uh, I think he's like the uh, uh, he was in Little Big Little League. Big League. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the, the their like younger players. He's done a lot. 
but I think he's mostly just been a location scout, just kind of working in the business and doing his thing. So he, he played an amazing role. There's, I was actually one of my uh, shag items <clears throat> was when they read the verdict and his facial expression as he realizes why they were found guilty of conduct unbecoming. His face, yeah. His face tells the whole story like he gets it. Like and and Downey still doesn't get it, but Dawson like under he's like, "Oh, I know what I did wrong." And it was just Yeah. And he didn't say anything, he just got it. For a guy who didn't fucking spend his life in acting classes. It was amazing. I mean, it's pr- pretty 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 crazy. So, I'm snagging Kevin Pollock. I knew um, you would. I would. <laughs> Yeah. You've surprise. only mentioned him like 17 times on the pod, so probably the, he's been mentioned the most, and, and I'm not done yet. Um, there's just I remember watching this the first time. I didn't know who he was, hadn't seen him in anything, and just something about his charisma and 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 what he did on screen. I just remembered this guy after watching this. I and it's I literally remember going, dude, I want to fucking see that guy in some more stuff. And he's, the, he's, he's Tom Cruise's, Tom some, Cruise's somehow amazingly actually shorter than him friend. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, okay. So I, I appreciate this cause like I appreciate his acting, but uh-huh. I, I, I want to say what is Kevin Pollack's point in this movie? Well, he's, he has no, basically he doesn't, he, he even says it in the, in the movie. He's like, I have no responsibilities, responsibilities here whatsoever. But he also, um, he is better at preparing the witnesses. He he's there for research, and and he's basically his co-counsel. He's just helping him out. He is simply there to keep Tom Cruise grounded because I think Tom Cruise is kind of a hothead, kind of a fucking but, show but up here, like to okay. the meetings guy. The boss is like, hey, this is a big deal. They want Cruise to go. You can go, but you go and make sure he doesn't fuck this up. That that goes against the point, though. The point, the reason they chose Tom Cruise, they wanted him to fuck it up. Well, that's why. So why did they give him? That's why they chose. Gonna, they didn't want him to fuck it up. They wanted him to get it done as quick as possible, just like Tom Cruise does. Which is Tom Cruise doesn't go to fucking court. He fucking settles out of court, right? And then it's over. That's all they wanted. They wanted to get settled out of court. It's over and. That's all Jess wanted. He wanted to go away. If they settle out of court, plead guilty, it goes away. That's all they wanted. So I think they handed it down. Basically, they signed him, but then like his boss or whatever, when they have that meeting, yeah. when he comes in, I think he's he realized, okay, there might be something here. He's going to need some help. And I think, I think the higher-ups division, they said this is handed down by a division. They wanted it to just get kind of swept under the rug. But I think his boss or whatever was like, okay, well, he's going to be on this, but he's going to need some help. So, because it was a big deal, I think. Yeah, I thought they wanted him just to be like, "Oh, well, I'm just gonna basically prosecute these guys." And, yeah, the divi- division, I guess, the higher ups that you don't really see. Well, it just seems like yeah. giving the the veteran that might have some expertise and be like, "Wait a second, maybe there's a little bit more to this." Like, or are they just figuring that that dude's just a yes man? Or like, I think that no, I think they sent him with them, but they like the 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 people that picked Cruz to do it, the evil guys that are fucking trying to fix it. They they didn't know that the boss man was going to be like, hey, take your little friend with right. you. Take it seriously. Yeah, who actually yeah. like helped him do and it. They didn't count on. They were on like Lieutenant Commander Galloway. You know. Yeah. Basically. Okay. <laughs> Brad doesn't like the whole argument. <laughs> That's fine. No, it's fine. I'm okay with that. All right, we're gonna go to body bag. Uh, who wants to start us off with the body bag? I'm 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 going to start, and I feel bad because I think the the soldiers after the verdict. I I don't like it. I really, I think it's. I think the whole point for Dawson, he's wait which one? Which one's Dawson? Let me let me get it. It's Dawson's Dawson, the tall one, the big guy. Okay, so Dawson seems like Trevin. You said he gets it, and I, and I I get that, but at the same time, it just seems like that dude is so ingrained. 
he is worried about I don't get to be a Marine. He says that that's when he loses his mind the most when he's like, I'm not going to get to be a Marine. And like, that's right. the thing I'm most worried about. And now he's being told he's not going to be a Marine. He's like, oh, I get it. Like, it just seems like it doesn't necessarily click with like who he is as a person. But I think he understands that they just fucking dodged a major bullet and they're not spending the rest of their life in prison. And he's like, we did fuck up. We should have stood up for the weaker man. And, and he, he, he doesn't like it, but he understands it. I think he accepts the fact that, hey, at least I'm not going to prison for, for life. I just got to be dishonorably discharged. But what, what in the whole trial convinced him that we should be thinking about the weaker man? Because I don't see any other, like any point in the thing where he's like, a weaker man is, is important to like, oh, look out for. Like, I, don't, I just don't get it. He, he comes to that conclusion just so kind of like randomly to me. Like, I don't know what in the movie sets it up where he's like, gosh, I got to be looking out for the weaker person. Well, more. he's already been proven to be that person because he like brought bread to some guy That's right. or whatever. You remember like they, they kind of, after a while, sort of paint they the did picture kind of expose that, he is, that he is like this nice person. Yeah. So I think so I, he was fronting and then he, he, he okay. I, I think it's pronounced. See here, front. look at, I'm getting, I'm getting just absolutely demolished in my, my, my ideas here. You've been cross-examined. You keep asking God, questions about fucking lawyers just around say it me. and we'll be like, this yeah, Brad, we agree. But fucking, then you're like, what do you guys think? We spent one like, night well. with Trevin and we are like, fucking, <laughs> you can't handle the fucking pod, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'll uh, sue you. I hurt myself at your house during the pod. I don't know. I'll just <laughs> say, I'll say in the moment, in the moment, I was kind of like, Okay, we're going for like the super sappy ending, yeah. and I it just got I don't like super sappy endings, and I felt like it was okay. a little sappy. So I'm I'm gonna jump in on the body bag here, and I didn't like the fucking little romance angle with Kathy and Galloway. I thought it was like, do we really need a little fucking love story kind of thrown in? I know he wasn't really into it or whatever, but I didn't think that because she you think so you think there was a there was an inkling of a love she fucking there? wanted to fucking lo- his fucking little scientology <laughs> wiener and wow she wanted him bad which is weird because like the beginning of the movie she's like who is this fucking guy she didn't respect him i just thought it was kind of strange how she all of a sudden thought he was the fucking greatest thing on the planet well and the date like the random date yeah like, asked it him on was a like date. and it was just kind of strange and i think what it does is to, oh to me God, it weakens her character a little bit because it makes her the, you know, cause she fucks up with, with her client and the whole, all, all she's there for is just to kind of be like, Hey, I don't, I, I, she does the whole, um, when she's saying that she objects, strenuously objects, objects. like her whole character is just kind of a fucking mess. And then all she is there to, to be a fucking love interest for Tom Cruise. And I just think it, it does disservice to her character in this. Movie. Scotch. If there's one thing I've learned in my two paid Scientology classes is that <laughs> Tom Cruise is a fucking hero. Okay. Sorry. He's a fucking hero. Two classes. <laughs> two paid. <laughs> I had to pay. Of course. All right. So you don't like my, my, I, I don't I don't like I I don't I don't dislike the take. I mean it's it's fine. Um but I think what really ruined to me more in this movie as far as like her character decisions go is two things. One, she never takes her hair down from that stupid fucking weird bun thing that she has going on. You do have a hair thing. The very matronly like bun thing. I do not understand that. <laughs> She's there's That's so many like nurse there's Jimmy. so many like casual scenes where she's in like casual clothes and just hanging out in like sneakers. Hey, blame the and military. She's got man. a fucking bun or like I don't even know what that is. Like not even, I don't even know if it's a bun, but it's weird. They can't have dudes walking around boners trying to like actually do okay. military shit. 
if Demi Moore, <laughs> if the difference between Demi Moore giving you a boner and not giving you a boner is a bun. <laughs> Isn't that what you're explaining to us right now? That is not what I'm explaining. It's not about that. It's about like <laughs> she would. I've seen my wife with her hair up, dude. The minute that she can fucking take the hair down, she's going to take the hair down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like fucking Demi Moore. There's no way she's studying 20 hours a day. They're on the couch eating Chinese food and they've been studying for 12 straight hours and she's got her hair in that weird fucking bun. There's no way, dude. And to counter my argument that fucking makes my <laughs> argument null and void and makes it exactly what Scott said is that Tom Cruise for sure fucks her if he sees her with his hair with her hair down, right? right. He's like, he's like, no, nah, I'm good. Let's just get some fucking seafood. Like I'm cool. I also like the way that she eats the seafood with the knife. Like I always like that. Uh, oh yeah. Like when you kind of like eat an apple with like a pocket knife and then eat it off the knife. So the knife's like the whole time. All I can concentrate on is, are you going to cut your mouth or your lip open? Yeah. She does that with that crab, bro. The whole time I'm like, oh my god, she's gonna. Oh, she didn't cut herself. Did she cut herself? Is that blood on her tongue? I my I do that with my steak when I'll, I'll like you eat it with it. the knife. I'll just stab that piece and just uh, like. Then you have to go to the go immediately to the bathroom and check whether or not your mouth's bleeding. No, I'm just fucking I man. I'd be like, I know I had a knife in my mouth. I'm sure I cut myself. I must go check. I pick my teeth with knives. No, you don't. I You're just, so stupid. I you do not. I love a steak. I do not believe that one ask, bit. Ask my wife. It drives her crazy. I'll be like, we'll be at a restaurant. I'll be like. If I got a nice sharp knife, I'll be like, yeah, I Shut gotta get that out. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And you have that mustache and you do that with a knife in restaurants and your wife's <laughs> still married pirate, to you. dude. Jesus Christ. This is Bite not that shit between my teeth. I'm climbing ropes. <laughs> this is not where I thought my take would go. Anyways, that's my take. It's yeah. taking a left turn. For sure. <laughs> Trav, do you have a body bag that isn't fucking nonsense? Like what? Wow. Was what? Um, that was super coherent. <laughs> I'll say my body bag is... I'm not sure what Private Downey's point is in the story. I think you could tell exactly the same story just with Dawson. I don't think you need Downey other than because he's kind of this. I mean, I guess maybe he generates some sympathy because he's kind of this sappy, you know, not very bright guy. And he's caught up in all this because he was just following orders. But I'm not sure what he exactly adds to the story. In that much well literally he's like, he's like the lowest step of the chain of command right? right like where he's just like the absolute follower that just is like right. the typical marine his only function really is to completely fuck up their entire case and almost lose it entirely because he basically said he heard the order himself but didn't hear it what well, was it what was doesn't the, talk well and what was the point of aunt jenny like she shows up Looking I'm telling you, there's deleted scenes young. where Tom Cruise bones her. <laughs> she shows up hot and young at the trial, and she's like, I'm Aunt Jenny. And they're like, ooh, fuck yeah. Well, I was like, he's, I thought he's... you would be older. And then she's, So did I. And then, yeah, what, what was the whole point? Well, and there's even a weirder thing about that, because <clears throat> Demi, Demi Moore gets her permission to represent him. I don't know. I've she's never the closest s- relative. Closest apparently. relative. Well, he's not but dead. he's an adult. Like he's an adult. Yeah. He's not dead. Like <laughs> why are you having to get a get permission from his aunt to represent him? I didn't even think about that. That's a great fucking point. <laughs> Demi yeah. Moore, we what we figured out in this movie is that Demi Moore is a stalker and she'll do anything to get closer to Tom Cruise. Like that's pretty there much the go. point. Except let her hair down. <laughs> <laughs> I think the night after that uh, trial, he, she finally let her hair down, and that's when things just went buck wild. Oh, shit, that's the the extra ending that we need is like that that night. I love it. All right, well let's <laughs> let's move on to the next category. Crackle Pluto, HBO, Fine Anime, Uncrunchy Roll, Peacock, Hulu, Disney, Netflix, Doobie, Sling TV, Showtime, Showtime, 
Boobo. What the fuck is Boobo? I'm sure it'll cause a sensation. It's a streaming recommendation. Okay, so now we're, we are going to uh, have some streaming recommendations based on this film. Um, who wants to go first? I got it. I got so it. Brad's going to go I can first. jump in. I just I'll start here. first. Um, my stream recommendation uh, when we're talking about. Uh, I like movies that deal with kind of the uh, uh, the chain of command and like the the loyalty of military folks. And one movie that definitely challenges that uh, going back uh, a few years, both in the, the 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 year this movie came out and also the the setting for the movie. I'm gonna go Platoon oh. from Oliver Stone. Um, the idea that you have Charlie Sheen is caught in the middle between basically. Two people of, of how they do their their military business with right. Tom Berenger and with uh, Willem uh, Dafoe, and he's kind of caught in the middle of seeing like how they both operate and trying to decide like which is the right way to follow. Like, should I just follow Tom Berenger's orders because he's kind of the the big bad over here, or should I follow Willem Dafoe, who's a little bit more counterculture and definitely like I fuck the system and the chain of command. Like, let's just do what's right. right. And uh, it's a good movie. It's available on Max. And it's a classic. I love Cinemax. I can't believe fucking HBO changed their name. <laughs> How did they let Cinemax like basically like take ownership <coughs> of that name? I don't think that's what happened. I think they just decided to call themselves Max for some reason. Did they merge with they Cinemax? They merged with Cinemax, yeah. And they just took Max? Yeah. How can you just not? HBO has been like the legends of, of television for the longest time. They were like, so they the were just like, one. yeah, we're done being HBO. Yeah. Dude, are they still going to do like fucking the Game of Thrones sequel and shit? Yeah, that shit's oh, coming out okay. soon. On Max. On Max. Trevin, what do you got? <laughs> so all mine are kind of legal shows, but uh, Goliath is a pretty good lawyer show if you're into lawyer stuff. Better Call Saul is a pretty entertaining lawyer show. Love it. Sounds great. Trevin, have you watched Suits? Which is making like this big comeback on Netflix. I don't know if you guys have seen anything about it. I've only seen bits and pieces of Suits, but um, the thing that makes me crazy about Suits is that one day they're in trial trying cases. The next day they're doing a merger and acquisition of a major corporation. And then the next day they're like handling some criminal thing. It's like no lawyers do all of that all stuff the at yeah. any kind of level. So it's all kind of a little silly to me. Hey, Trevin, the lawyers that charge $5,000 an hour, that's what they do. No, they don't. No, they, they only do, they do one sub part of those things. <laughs> Zach, what do you got? Okay, so I was looking up the year because I've been talking about it all pod. One of my favorite uh, court movies of all time. Paul Shore, 1995, <laughs> jury, duty. jury Duty. It is so ridiculous. <laughs> and then it just gets, like, when you think you're like, this movie is ridiculous. And then it's just like, oh, yeah. And it fucking triples down <laughs> on the ridiculousness. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. Go check it out. It's fucking great. And when you're done, you can watch Biodome and Son-in-Law in the Army now. And then you can just uh, <laughs> feast on the hey, movies of my Hey, don't youth. forget Encino Man. Mm. Uh, Encino Man, right there. There you go. I love it. Weez the juice. Um, Weez the juice. So I haven't. I, I'm actually pretty proud of myself for not talking about this too much yet. Um, but I have got to recommend. It's not really a streaming wreck, but it is an audiobook. How I Slept My Way to the Middle by Kevin Pollock. If you like this fucking movie, which you should, because it's fantastic. Kevin Pollock has numerous chapters on. His when he was on the set of A Few Good Men, and there's some amazing stories. So if you really love this movie, there's stuff about Jack Nicholson, stuff about Tom Cruise. 
you'll actually respect Tom Cruise a lot more by, by listening to some of the stories because he's such a great co-star. Like he's really supportive and there's some really cool stories about him. So, um, it's just a fantastic, uh, audio book. Um, so check that out. And, uh, the, the stories about Jack Nicholson are just, are fantastic. And what's legend. really cool you, about you've it. You've told a few of those. On yeah. The yeah I've right? told a bunch. And, and so, but, and he does an amazing, uh, impersonation of Jack Nicholson. And he actually at one point takes over during one of the scenes because Jack Nicholson had to leave and he actually did Jack Nicholson on camera, like off camera just so they can get through the scenes to help him get through this. So it's a really cool little, um, thing that he did to help him get through this. Jack was year. like, I made my 500,000 today. I'm going he, home. No, he literally, they literally, that just, you had me tell eight. <laughs> no, so literally they, they had him for a certain amount of days and they hadn't quite finished and they needed him for half a day. And he actually came back and did it for free. He actually didn't charge him because they, they didn't have it in the budget to pay him. So he did it, but they still didn't finish after half a day. And they're like, sorry. He's like, Lakers played a night amount. Exactly. <laughs> so that's when Kevin Pollack said, hey, not as a joke, not as a goof, I'll do his lines. I've been listening to him this whole time and I'll do them. They're off camera lines. And he did them. And so it's a, there's a really cool story about that in the book. So. I did read that Tom Cruise, when he uh, at, at the end does the Colonel Jessup impersonation, uh-huh. that was unplanned. And so when you see Kevin Pollock and, and Demi Moore's reactions, they kind of like chuckle and they, and, and they kind of look at each other like it was ad lib. So that was not okay. actually in the script that he was supposed to it. imitate them. Sweet. Love it. So check that out. It's on um, whatever you can get an audio book on. <laughs> audible.com all right so uh everybody went i believe everybody went um alternate endings no jet watch for maverick mixed up on that goose stick iceberg list titanic leo's drawing that nude shit jim fucks nadia like we all thought he should ricky and doughboy get the fuck out the hood luke hooks up with leia just like he's intending it's time for a reshelf and alternate endings Scott uh, just hugged himself and said, word. All right. I'm so hood. You are. Okay. So if we could um, come up with a different ending or reshelf this, maybe put this, make, uh, could we make this a horror movie? Could we make this a romantic comedy? Um, alternate ending or reshelf. What do we got? I want Kevin Pollack to absolutely be in on the conspiracy and like really trying to like derail their whole Oh, he's been sent like like his, he his, sneaks his, in and kills the guy instead of him shooting himself. Yeah, oh, like yeah. he's doing that type of shit and it's like he's really trying to destroy the whole thing the whole time and it and just adds a new element to it. And uh yeah, but eventually Tom Cruise figures it out and beats the fuck out of him with oh, his baseball bat. I know what he does. He's like, I need to distract Tom Cruise. Sweet so cuts, fucking uh, what's her name's hair, tie? Moore's hair? Her, oh, hair, her tie. hair comes down, and it just comes down, and Tom Cruise is like, so oh, he just spent in half the case, let's just settle, fucking Demi. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help himself. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, okay, a little, yeah. little out there. You just don't like Kevin Pollock, do you? I know I like him. I really do. <laughs> I just thought he the was whole kinda, time he was he doing was that, kind of hanging out in the movie, like, hey, I'm Kevin Pollock. What's up, guys? That whole time he did that take, he was looking right at me. He's like, I got your fucking Kevin Paul guy now. He's the fucking shit. Yeah. All right. Uh, Trevin, what do you got? So <clears throat> what I want to say, so a, a criminal defense attorney, a public defender, but also in JAG, they don't get to choose who their clients are. They're assigned to represent somebody. 
So I want to see the the sequel or the follow up where Caffey is assigned to defend Colonel Jessup in his criminal trial. Oh. <laughs> so, so he literally just <laughs> fucked his entire career. And he gets assigned the case where he has to defend him. Right. Okay. I want to see yeah, when the, the door opens and he walks in and, and Jessup's sitting there. He's like, oh, fuck. This fucking guy. <laughs> I like good that. Times. Yeah, that'd be fucking crazy. I liked how they did, like, the, the way they set it up to where, like, in the first scene with Colonel Jessup, you sort of, this is a tangent, sorry. Um, we don't do of, that here. But you sort of are like expecting him to be the bad guy. And then you're like, oh, no, maybe he's a good guy. He wants to not transfer this guy and like train him and like freaking all this stuff. And you're like, oh, maybe Colonel Jessup's a good guy. And then you get like the for sure confirmation that he's a piece of shit when he fucking says the F word to uh, Tom Cruise's suit. And freaking uh, <laughs> he like loses his shit, dude. Very and you're aggressive. like, oh, OK, this guy's fucking terrible. Yeah. I, I I mean I would I would like to talk to a marine, but I mean I have a feeling that it's commonplace in the marines to to pretty much talk shit to all the other branches of like you pussies don't ever actually do fighting like right. I, I, especially I gotta, the navy and the marines. Yeah, it's like I love the navy; they give us a ride. Yeah, that, that was a, such a good line. <laughs> so that was good. a really good line. And and just the fact that he's like, may I call you John? He's like, no, you may not. It's like, fuck, dude. If it pleases the court, what the fuck happened to your ears? <laughs> I mean, but the idea, though, that like where he's he's on on uh, he's asking, like, have you ever been in combat? Like he's when right. he starts like that's when you could tell that's it as he, he's most angry. He's like these fucking pencil pushers that are doing all this bullshit and right. trying to prevent me from doing my life. Like you weakened the country today. Yeah, that's aggressive. Brilliant. Jeez. Uh. By the way, if, if if you watch that movie on if the A Few Good Men on Hulu, it is a girly white uniform. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no shit. Did they really? Is, it's a, it's dubbed a, out? It's a girly white uniform dubbed out, yeah. Oh, shit. Wow. Times are a-changing. Take that shit out. Yeah. What else we got? Um, I think we're done. Is that it? Whoa. Whoa. What's next week? Come on. I'm we, just saying. I'm just I've, like with the categories. Fuck you know, <laughs> you know, as huh. the, the, the main baddie in the Marines... <laughs> When shit goes bad on the stand, Jessup's fangs are coming out, right? <laughs> we know that's going to happen. Like it, yeah. he's going to immediately like once he gets pinned into a corner, those fangs are coming out and then all of a sudden, which of Dawson and uh, the other dude, which are, do their fangs come out? I, all I know is Kevin Guantanamo, Pollock. Guantanamo is just a, a den of vampires. Is that yeah, the idea here? They're I'm straight just saying, up vampires. And, and they feed on, dusk till on, Guantanamo. on poor Cubans. It's terrible. And Kevin Pollock is Van Helsing and saves the day. Is he? <laughs> what if what if you were Cuba? <laughs> that gives us something to do in the movie, so fuck it. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I love it. Yeah, we didn't talk about Cuba Gooding Jr. What if you were Cu Cuba Gooding Jr. and you were stationed in Cuba? <laughs> Just thought about that. Yeah, that's that's when you know we're getting to the uh, the end of the pod. <sighs> there was, a, I will say this. So, so we we base this loosely this pod on on the rewatchables, which is Bill Simmons' podcast. And Bill Simmons, back when he was a writer, uh, which he seems to be no longer, um, on his articles on on page two and stuff, he would he would do these articles where he would have. Uh, mailbags and he would have readers like put in questions uh -huh. and at the end it would start to get like to crazy ass questions about sports and movies and stuff and then it would always be like yeah these are my readers like where he got to a question that was just so wacky and it's like at the end of our pods we basically get to that point where it's yeah. like somebody's gonna say something where it's like okay <laughs> we're definitely towards the end it's here. time to call it you're like we asked this guy to be here <laughs>
No, I just think it's great. I love it. I love uh, the, the the end of our pods. I think we like the last thirty minutes of our pods is like the best listen. I wonder what percentage of listeners actually get to the end of our pods. I know they should. We, uh, this we, is just a warning to y'all. Listen to you. the end. But here we are at the end, so those people aren't listening. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get those people? <laughs> How do we get them all the way we over have this here? Conversation at the beginning of the pod, right? <laughs> If you're listening, find somebody who doesn't listen and tell them to listen. We should. We should figure out a message that's like in the first 10 seconds. Because sometimes when like the other pod that you subscribe to finishes, it'll like automatically go to our pod. And yeah. then a lot of people, I bet, just stop it. But uh, <laughs> if we, we should get something real hooky right at the beginning. Right. Oh, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for um, this Rob Reiner classic. I'm slurring my words. Tired. <laughs> Rob Reiner. Um, next week we are going to have a draft episode and we are going to draft the most memorable court scene in a film courtroom scene. And, uh, our friend Trevin is going to come back and be an expert judge and, uh, we'll see if he knows anything. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but tune in next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>